Well, this is the uh, last in our series on the early church. And uh, last time we looked at... Sorry, it's booming a little bit. Just... <coughs> ah. A bit better? Okay. Um, this is the last in our series uh, in the early church. Uh, last time we looked at elders, and this time we're focusing on deacons. Um, the reason that we've been looking at this series, the reason why we're looking at this this evening, is thinking especially about the potential of changing our constitution uh, to allow for female deacons, uh, which the elders are putting before the church at the end of the month at the members' meeting. So if you're watching online as well, there might be a few that are uh, watching to find out a bit more. This is uh, what we're talking about. This series has been in part to help us answer that question. And we saw in our first talk that the early church had variable practice on various things, and one of those things is deacons. So we're going to follow the same outline uh, as the talk, the first one we have, variable practice, enduring principles and various possibilities. So first of all, uh, variable practice. Deacons are present in the New Testament, but they're not an element that is focused on. Really, there are only two major passages uh, that deal with deacons, the one that we have read before from 1 Timothy 3, and the other one is Acts chapter 6. 1 Timothy 3 tells us a bit about who they should be, their character, but Acts 6 is the only passage really that shows us in the Bible, gives us a clue as to what they actually do. In Acts 6, there's been a crisis in the early church. There has been a split between the Greek-speaking Christians and the Aramaic-speaking Christians over how their widows have been allocated food. Remember that they shared all things in common, so the distribution of food was quite an important matter. And the church, after surviving attacks from outside to try and silence them, the church now risks collapsing over issues that might arise just in a simple restaurant, if you like. That table over there has a larger portion than me. That's the issue that's sort of almost bringing down the church. And the apostles, seemingly at this point acting as elders in the church of Jerusalem, call the church together and call for the appointment of seven men to sort out the issue. They will serve as deacons, literally as servants or ministers. It's actually the Greek word that's used for waiters, again, as you would in a restaurant. What makes it complicated is that only one task is given. This is it in the Bible. If we went on purely prescriptive for Acts, in the, the reading of the book of Acts, then deacons are those who ensure the fair distribution of food to widows. That's what deacons do. That's the only example we actually have. Now, no one through the whole of history has read it this restrictively. The problem is, though, what are the tasks that deacons are needed for? Whereas we have a plethora of titles and descriptions that tell us what elders, overseers, shepherds, teachers do, we just don't have that for deacons, which historically has led to all sorts of different versions of this role. So I should have told you at the beginning, by the way, we'll be taking questions at the end and leave a little bit of extra time, which is why we're sort of going through. But historically, it's led to all sorts of different versions of this role. But are there any enduring principles that are underneath it? Well, like with an elder, the qualification is character again. In both passages, both the one in 1 Timothy and in Acts chapter 6, it actually tells us about their character, what they're to be like. In Acts chapter 6, it tells us that they're to be spirit-filled, godly, and wise. And really, there are watchwords for deacons, godly, spirit-filled, and wise. 
And that's partly because, first of all, their role is not merely admin. So even if we think about the situation uh, in Acts chapter 6, the tasks they have been given involved people, as did most tasks in a church. In Acts, they were dealing with the fallout of a near split of the church. They wouldn't just be dealing with the administrative decisions, but with people who felt hurt and offended. I don't think either that these seven men would literally be doing all the waiting on tables either. I don't think that's what they're set aside for. More likely, given the size of the church in Jerusalem, they would be in charge of organising other people to do this. So actually their role was to do with people and organising people. And that takes people skills, not just admin skills. Secondly, though, the reason that they do it is to allow the apostles to preach. So let me just take you back to Acts chapter 6 and verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So here we see the reason behind deacons is to assist the overall leaders of the church to do their work. To take things off them that might distract them from teaching and prayer. I don't think it's that the elders, the, the apostles were saying it was beneath them to serve tables, but that it would take them away from preaching. Thirdly, there's no suggestion that they are to teach. That's one of the enduring principles that we see. It's noticeably absent in 1 Timothy that there's no qualification for deacons to preach or to teach. Other than that, the requirements are quite similar between them and elders. But this implies that there's no formal teaching going on as part of the role. Not because they are incapable, that's sometimes a misunderstanding as well, not because they're incapable but it's not required of the role in the way that it is required for, for an elder. Why do I say that they weren't incapable? Well, two of these men, actually, we know are very able teachers. Stephen stands up before the crowd, before he's martyred, and basically takes them through a whole Bible overview, doesn't he? That's very good teaching. Philip explains the book of Isaiah to the Ethiopian eunuch. So it's not that these guys couldn't teach. It's not a second tier of people who are no good at preaching. It's that it's not a part of the, the work that they've been given. There is an essential part of the workings of a church so that others in specific roles can do what they've been set apart to do. So it's not some sort of stepping stone to eldership. As though, you know, we'll do this for a while, then learn to preach and then you can sort of move on. As though that would be some kind of promotion for a system. It doesn't work like that. We are a body. And each part plays its part. All are needed, all are vital, and none are better or superior than the others. All have a part to play. Fourthly, we see that they're chosen with the approval of the church and its leaders. Both play a part in their appointment. They're actually given over uh, to the church to, to choose in Acts chapter 6. And there's the laying on of hands by the elders, a symbolic gesture, setting them apart. And finally, their role is task-specific. That's what we see. That's one of the problems we've found, that we've only got one task. But we see here that a need arises, and they are appointed. If the problem with the widows went away, then I would argue that actually their role would go away. They would no longer be needed for the jobs that they've been given. So they're not jacks of all trades, as some are made out, sort of deacons without portfolio. 
nor is there a notion that there's some what some call a diaconate, sort of house of deacons, where they sort of gather together to make decisions, that also sort of acts like a separate body to the elders. I mean, I've heard in some churches it almost works like the houses of parliament. You know, so, well, I've got it through the elders, but they won't need to get it through the deacons. As though it's sort of like two rival powerhouses. Actually, here, they're not given as the overall decision-making body of the church in the way that elders are. And they don't seem to have any authority separate to the elders, as though it was a sort of power struggle between the two. They act with the authority of the elders. They implement what the elders have decided. They make the day-to-day decisions, of course, otherwise there'd be no point, would there? Could you imagine Acts chapter 6, you know, that called them up and said, oh, we need to feed the widows, but we don't know whether to serve them tomato or minestrone soup. You know, what do you think we should do? That just wouldn't work, would it? The only time I can think about that where they need to be consulted is whether the, the theological problem with serving pea and ham soup uh, to those of the Jewish background. But even then, you'd sort of hope that they'd be able to work it out themselves. So really the model is, the principle is, that the elders set the direction, the elders have the authority, and the deacons use their God-given wisdom to implement the elders' decisions wisely for the good of the church. They assist the elders in doing their work by freeing them up from church matters that might take them away from their God-given role of preaching, teaching, and prayer. But even then, this leaves us with a lot of various possibilities. Down through the ages, deacons have differed in their role dramatically, to the degree that you might not even recognise deacons in some traditions. With regard to their tasks, some have read it very broadly, anything and everything. So in some traditions, deacons effectively run the church. When I was researching this topic a couple of years ago, I ordered some books on Amazon, big mistake. <laughs> uh, they were American, another slight mistake. Um, they're still readable. But I was surprised when I was reading through them, that as I was reading books on deacons, what it was describing was effectively what we would call books on eldership. It turns out that in the States, many Baptist churches don't really have elders anymore. In practice, there's just the pastor, who is the elder and sole elder, and then they have deacons. And in those churches, the deacons function effectively as elders, even though they retain the title deacon. So that's a very broad role uh, for the church. They're involved in everything, including the, the preaching and teaching in a formal way. Some, though, down through history, have read the role very narrowly. So discerning ministries of mercy to be the focus. So anything that requires help for the disadvantaged akin to the help for the widow, and that's the role of the deacon. Some define it narrowly, but in different areas. So some have gone with what's commonly known as pounds and property. So sort of treasurers and administration. That's very defined, but that's the role of the deacon. There's a lot of variation. And with regard to who took up those positions historically, there was great variation too. So in the early church, after the New Testament, some churches actually had teams of husband and wife deacons. There was often, that was often linked with ministries of mercy. They would open up their homes together uh, for those who are in need. Other churches have three classes of church leadership, so the elders, the deacons, and the women. That's literally the word back in uh, 1 Timothy, uh, verse 11. The ESV, I think, is a little bit naughty uh, there, as there's no there there, uh, and the word is gyne, uh, which can mean woman in some contexts, 
and a Kamini wife in other ones, but it's just the, the women is literally what it says. Anyway, in that setup, the deacons did more assisting the elders in their duties, and the women then focused on the ministries of mercy. So the variation was great, even in the, the early church after the apostles. So the big question for us this month is, should women be deacons? And my answer, personally, is that it depends. It would seem that given the lack of specific direction on the subject, we are allowed a certain amount of freedom as to the role of a deacon. If the role of the deacon is that of our American Baptist cousins exercising authority and teaching in the church, then no. I don't think women should be deacons in that context. We said last week that those were two areas, exercising authority, teaching, that were off-bounds, which explained why women weren't to be elders. But what we've seen, though, is that deacons, as the Bible defines them, don't do those things as part of their role. The difference, really, between them and the elders is that they don't teach and that they don't hold authority. That's almost the definition of what makes them different from the elders. So what, then, would the reason for women, uh, for them not to have women as deacons, if they're not doing those two things that would exclude them from that area? On top of that, in the Bible, we have people like Phoebe, who the term is ascribed to. So Romans 16, 1 and 2, says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at uh, St. Uh, <coughs> Create. there we go, thank you, brother. Uh, <laughs> That we may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many, and of myself as well. That word servant there is diakonos, deacon. Uh, even there it's in its masculine, implying an office rather than a description. A bit like the way that women can be called actors rather than actresses, and saying that says something. As well as that, the deacon section in 1 Timothy is different from the elders section. There is no section relating to women in the elders section, but there is in the deacons one. Now it could relate to wives, I said you can translate that word that way, and those who do that, uh, say that that is how we should translate it, um, say that that is how we should translate it, that it should be, uh, sorry, the, the men, uh, deacons should only be men, they translate it that way to say that wives is what's meant. But that doesn't explain why there isn't a wide section for elders in 1 Timothy or Titus when it's describing elders. Why would it be that actually in such an important role you wouldn't then describe their wives if it's wives that are being described? Again, the counter-argument is that the section about women relates to the wives of deacons and elders. But the deacon section, if you look at it, actually seems to enclose the part on women. So it goes back to talking about deacons at the bottom. So there are various possibilities that we have with deacons, more so than we do with elders. Many churches have had issues with this because they've had to redefine roles with people in them, which is always tricky, isn't it? You've got somebody in a position, and they say, right, we're changing your position. But we currently have no deacons. We, have, we don't have uh, anybody here who's been a deacon at our church. In the church's history, I looked a little bit back, I could only find two people uh, who have been deacons in the church's history, and the last one was nearly 20 <coughs> years ago. So using the freedom that we are given biblically, we can decide to a, to a degree what we look like, what they look like. 
So we have no need to go down the lines of our American cousins and have them as semi-elders, or a sort of second source of authority in the church. What we can do is appoint deacons that will help build that church, who will assist the elders in what they're doing rather than rival them. And I believe such a position is open to men or women who fit the biblical criteria, and that we have no need to exclude women from this valuable position. And then indeed, we should not try to place restrictions on people beyond what the Bible itself does. So deacons are there to serve the church, and I believe as many as possible should be involved uh, as is possible and as is biblically permissible. Now as I said part way through that I meant to say at the beginning, um, I've deliberately left a bit of time for questions, uh, if anyone has them. If you ask them, I'll repeat them for the video, uh, just so that they can understand them. But does anyone have any Questions, comments, with you want a bit of clarification on? We've got three or four minutes. Oh, a question for us is a comment, which is just to say that the diaconate as the sort of leadership of the church is, well, was very common in Britain. Yeah. It's quite recent. Yeah. the tradition I grew up in. Yeah. Um, and I always thought it was a bit odd. So the, the comment was about the diaconate being quite common in Britain. And again, I think it's that same thing that we see in the, the books that I was reading, that basically the pastor is treat, treated as the only elder, effectively. That all those things are bound up with the pastor rather than having a strong eldership. Um, so if you do have that situation, where does the church get a voice? Where are there other people? And it goes to the deacons. Um, I think the way you avoid that is by having a strong eldership. And an eldership that is prepared to make decisions together and speak um, speak for parts of the church that might be um, not spoken for if it's just one person making all the decisions. Um, just a comment. Um, God has given women uh, many gifts and they, those gifts should be allowed to be Developed in the church, and I think what you said is that there's no reason why mm. women can't be deacons. And I think the next come. Thank you. Well, uh, I, I, I do think this is it. Women, women have excellent gifts, and women have a wonderful part to play. I think in the life of our church, there's been many times where I've sat down and thought, "Wow, if it wasn't for the women in church, we just would not function." I think it, our women do an incredible job, actually, and you know, just because they're not the elders of the church doesn't mean that we don't value them. But it does mean that we have to make that extra effort to make sure that we show that we value them as men. I think the men need to sort of, you know, remind ourselves that we, we love our women um, and show them that they're, they're valued and yeah, we need to make that extra effort, don't we? Got maybe time for one more comment or question. It's another comment, it's just picking up on what you said about the equality of all the different roles in, in church. Well, indeed, the equality of all people in church, mm. which we need to emphasise and make sure we don't forget. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it's shown in a, a lot of different ways the equality within the church of all different roles. Um, it's one of the reasons that I know other people make different choices in different traditions, but you know, when I stand at the front, I don't try and look different from the people around. Because it sends a message, actually, I am not apart from the church. Um, the leaders are not apart from the church. We are members of the church as well. We're brothers and sisters, aren't we? Um, and we need to make sure, yeah, that we remember that, that it's not that the elders are superior to the church members, 
and we certainly shouldn't try and come across as being a different species or um, trying to make out that we are we are better than the church. Um, we need to make sure that people, um, all of us, remember that yeah, all of us are a body, and the head is not the leaders; the head is Christ. Um, we're all under Christ, and we all submit to Him. And the same is true of deacons. And the same is true of deacons. Yes. Uh, you mentioned that deacons are appointed really for a specific task. Could that specific task uh, lend itself better to a male, or maybe even lend itself better to a female? Yeah, possibly. Um, so I think that uh, if we if we wanted to have somebody who was in charge of administering um, Connect, for example, it would make sense for that person to be a woman, actually, in that particular situation, if we were talking about that, because they would be able to be involved in the, uh, the side of that. If Connect got huge and we needed that to come off the, um, the plate of other people, um, equally, if there was something for men, uh, we might want to think that that particular role would be um, uh, a man. And you would decide on the individual role, wouldn't you? That's, that's the great thing, actually. You'll point the person to a particular role. So you decide at that time who is the most, who is the most uh, appropriate person for that, for that particular role. Um, but for example, I mean, traditionally, one of the roles of a, a, a deacon has been treasurer. And I can't see why you'd have a man or a woman as treasurer, you know, as though there's some sort of uh, special reason why it should be one or the other. I think it could be either. Sorry, Sarah, you were... Sorry. No, it's linked, actually. It's just to the, to the tenure thing, so I'm, you know, going on from what you were saying before. So mm. I'm, uh, logically, from what you are saying, the, the appointment of deacon would be task-specific, and the tenure of that appointment would be task-specific. Is that, am I right in saying that? Yeah, so already in our constitution, there is a time limit on the appointment of a deacon. That's not the case for the appointment of an elder. Um, so I believe it's either two or three years. I need to go back and check. Since it's never come into practice, it's never, it's never been something needed to know. Um, but there is the option then to reappoint that person, but it keeps us having that conversation. Is this role still needed? And it could be actually wonderfully, other people in the church are taking on that responsibility together, and we might decide, well, actually, we don't need a deacon in that role. Not because the deacon has done anything wrong or anything like that, but actually that some, some circumstances have changed, and there's no longer a need to have a deacon in that area. Or it might be that we decide we can't possibly live without this deacon. I don't know what we would do with it fall apart. We need to make sure that we appoint another person in that role or reappoint them. Can I agree with you? Yeah, no, 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 go on. It would be that deacons each be the husband of one wife. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, we wouldn't say deacons have to be husbands. We can't have single men as deacons. Presumably, he'd also be able to say he can't use this verse to say only a man can be a deacon. Yeah, and I mean, helpfully, the, the Greek is literally, a, a, I was getting this wrong way around, a one-woman man. That's literally what, it, what it's saying. And I think you, you can, you, yeah, it's saying, if you look at it that way, it's saying more as well than just having one wife, actually. If somebody is not a one-woman man, then they're not appropriate for that role. Uh, equally, you can, you can know that people, you can know the faithfulness of someone's character, I think, sometimes before they get married. You can know that that person would be devoted to their wife, even if they've not actually met them yet, or they never get married. So yeah, I think that's absolutely fine. If you have any more questions, do come and speak to me afterwards. Do come and speak to me before um, the uh, the meeting. We'll have a little bit of time to discuss it there as well. Um, but do do come and speak to me. Let me pray um, to finish off this section.
Father, well, thank you that you gave um, the deacons uh, in the church, Father, not for uh, just something for people to do, uh, but Father, that the word might go forward and that the church might remain in unity. And Father, we pray that for ourselves, Father, we pray that as we make decisions in this area, pray that it might mean that the word of God can grow in our region. And Father, that it might mean that we can be united as a church. And so, Father, we pray, open our eyes to the right people for the right positions. And Father, pray that you would help us as a church to make these decisions together. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.